right, welcome back to Lay It on the Table. We're so glad you're here. Um, we're continuing the redefinition series or redefining series, however we decide to put it out because it's our choice, okay? Um, and uh, I, we got one member back. I'm glad he's here. I'm excited. The guys are here. We're excited to have him. It's uh, James. James, you're back. Your shift got changed. You're with us, man. Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm honored to be here. Oh, man. We got Brian. Yep. And John. Hello, love. Oh, man. He's a character from Snatch. It's hilarious. Anyway, we'll have a dog squeaking here in a minute uh, to add to the sound effects, okay? Um, anyway, if anybody's seen Snatch, they know what I'm talking about. Well, we're glad you're here. And again, we're going to be continuing the redefinition series. And uh, we're going to go ahead and go forward. What's been going on in you guys' lives, man? James, been a while since we heard from you. So what, what, what's been changing? Oh, you know, work. The weather's been changing a little bit, but work's steady. So that's a good thing. Yeah, and, excellent. Uh, yeah, everything's going good with my uh, all my bosses, the people, all the people that boss me around. I'm, I'm good relationship with them. So, so you're being a good little minion. Yes, I am. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm doing my best. <laughs> you working at a hardware store or a hardware like um, contracting fulfillment yes. place? I don't know how to say that. It's yeah, it's a hardware store. They ca they carry everything. So, mm. the city, the st uh, the highway department, everybody comes to get stuff from us. So, oh, okay. We got one. Yes, it's, it's pretty busy. Oh, uh, yeah. We got one like that called Lumber 84 or 84 Lumber or something around here. Uh, Brian, what's happening with you, man? Just been busy and tired this week. A lot of work and not a lot of time. Brian's a busy cat. A busy, busy cat. John? Well, uh, I've been trying to convince myself to start training for a half marathon that I signed up for back in June. And it starts in December, so oh, well, yeah, things aren't going so hot. So you will do a quarter marathon then. <laughs> yeah. uh, wow, it's my own fault. So yeah. I, I, I blame myself. I believe you'll do a full marathon. No, you're going to no. be so great. You'll do a full marathon nope. at the half marathon point. I am a sprinter, not a distance guy. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you're about to be a distance guy, <laughs> yeah. whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, anything else happening aside from current events, which have apparently been mind-boggling everybody these days? Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know until like today about, was it Kanye West that he released? Uh, is it, what's the story? Like, what, what What's going on? Well, um, so he... If, if you remember, maybe a few months ago, he he kind of some things were happening. It was it was it was weird. Like he was having a mental breakdown or whatnot, and he kind of disappeared somewhat for a little while, and then um, came back, basically proclaiming Christ. And you know, not That's that awesome. I, not that I blame these these That's guys, cool, but yeah. there's a lot of people that questioned whether or not it was a legitimate conversion or if it's just a publicity stunt because we've seen it before. Uh, I would really like to give him the benefit of the doubt, especially, you know, if he's, if he's come into the faith and, and he's now a brother and he's in the family, uh, Absolutely. He, he, he dropped a new album and I've never heard any of his music, so I can't, I can't say one way or the other, but he dropped an album, Jesus is King. I just got to stop you right there. And I got to say, you live in the United States of America uh -huh. all your life and you've never heard a Kanye song, like not even on a commercial. Uh, no. 
Come on, son. I mean, you might have. You just don't remember. Or I didn't realize it was him. That's yeah. that's very possible. Um, that, yeah, that is. But, the, yeah, there's that going on. There's uh, uh, John MacArthur is under some fire for some comments that he has made, uh, which I'm not really going to try to open that can of worms right now. Let's go step back for a second. I think um, the one good thing that's happened from the Kanye thing that I've seen so far is uh, that there's a pastor that he has that's like graduated from the Master's Seminary. And so it looks like the guy's legit, and it looks like the guy's taken the opportunity not for stardom for himself, but to like literally like give the gospel out on a platform that is huge. I mean, because mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if they're obviously there for Kanye West, right? Wherever, right. They, wherever they're gathering, because it looks like they go from city to city and they do these worship services. So wherever they're gathering, it seems like they're they're there for uh, you know Kanye West for the most part, but. Shoot, if you can give them Christ in the in the meantime, you know, and yeah. open them and, and like, just Christ is opening somebody's eyes and ears out there in that that crowd, and and that'd be amazing. So yeah, he's he's a he's like, apparently a master seminary guy. So I, I heard a little bit of it. It sounded pretty legit. It's like they're there for Kanye, but they're getting Jesus. Well, right. you know, it kind of reminds me of Paul's sort of dissertation on. What is it? People that were preaching the gospel for selfish reasons, mm-hmm. yet Paul still rejoiced because he's like, there's still the gospel being preached. Right. Which, um, I mean, you know, I guess at the end of the day, um, as long as the actual gospel is being preached, yeah, yeah, we should rejoice over that. Absolutely. As far as Kanye, yes. I, I don't really know. I mean, I don't think at least I can make any assert- assertion as to anything with him as of now. I mean, of course, we all know with Kanye West that, um, you know, he, he has in the past, as you said, John, I mean, he's had a lot of publicity stunts and like, you know, his whole like Donald Trump go to the Oval Office thing where he, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that was quite interesting. Right. Um, but, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it just, we don't know. I mean, that's the thing. I think, I think like, like you say, we, we say with, with Christianity in general, I mean, time will tell. I think that's, yeah, all we can do is sit back and see if the fruit comes forth. Right, yeah. right. And yeah. I think I don't think we should judge the situation at all. No, 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 no. not yet. Yeah, well, not even at all. Yeah, because we, we don't have unless he starts preaching a gospel contrary to what we preach. Mm-hmm. Then I think that we can make um, we can. Well, we, even then, we we don't have the ability to see in somebody's heart. It's true. What's going true. on? Uh, the name of the pastor dude that is working with him is Adam Tyson. So if y'all ever want to look him up out there, go for it. Um, so it, the what's views, the na- go ahead. What's at, the name of the song? Uh, it's his newest album. So if you just type Kanye in there and go to his newest album, I think it's Jesus is Lord or oh, oh, Jesus yeah, is King, King or something like that. Yeah. 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 I, I listened to it a little bit today while we were cleaning the house with the girls and everything. And it wasn't, I, I wouldn't say that it's worship music per se, but I mean, it, it's God centered for the most part. I haven't got through the whole album and I, and it's better than, you know, F this and F that and you know, have sex and all that stuff. So I'd rather hear that, you know, be honest. So, um, other news, John's trying to open up. What? Oh, the John MacArthur. Yeah. Thing. We're getting close to 10 minutes. Woo! We gotta be, here. uh, we gotta be careful. You know, that's actually probably a good conversation to have. Let's just future. ask James off the top. Cause I doubt James even knows about this. James, okay. women I'm pastors, with- women pastors. How do you feel? Um, I think they're okay for women's groups to uh, lead groups and, and preach the word of God and maybe go out and, um, you know, ev- evangelize. I, I don't know about behind the pulpit. I'm, 
I can't be completely sure about that because, like you said, we don't know someone's heart. At the same time, there is specific scripture, maybe. Yeah, I think you're on the same path. Or, yeah, or a certain culture that where um, it's not acceptable. But um, in America, I guys, I, I don't, I don't want to commit to anything. I just don't. I, I see both sides. Stand. It's a good place to I stand. I guess. Sides. I personally uh, don't believe there's anything in the in the Bible for it to be appropriate. But um, you know the way that apparently MacArthur said it, he's like a 75 year old dude, and yeah, I mean, well, that, what do you say? It, it, I think it was uh, a lot of Christians, more orthodox, fundamental, uh, would have agreed with his assertion um, as far as what he was saying. But it was his delivery that yeah, was, it was the delivery that his delivery of it was. I, I mean, my personal opinion, just off the top, I think he should apologize for that. I think he should openly apologize for the way he delivered it. Because, I would have to listen to it. Was it just a little too much throttle? Well, I mean, he literally told women to go home. That's what he said. You oh. need to go home. Oh, okay. Well, that's a little harsh. Yeah, yeah. that that's yeah. literally what he said. But like, I'm not, I'm not making that, that up. That's a quote. That sounds offensive to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, I think the thing is, is that... You're you're dealing with a guy that's probably and he's a staunch dude, right? He's a you know he's a, he has a very strong opinion, and he probably gets asked these kind of questions like constantly. And so somebody at, proposed that question to him about women pastors because uh, I think it had all was whirling around the spiritual quote unquote advisor for Trump happens to be a, a lady pastor. What's her name, John? Um, is it Paula White? Beth Moore. Oh, Beth, Beth Moore. Moore. I'm sorry. sorry. Paula White. Um, yeah, uh, Beth Moore. So uh, essentially he he took a – you know how sometimes you just say stuff and then you – and then because he comes back and then he lays down a very good scriptural basis for it and he has a very good stance, but the first initial thing was just kind of like, boom, no, yeah. No, that I've got Absolutely not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I think that's, that's really where uh, – I've even seen some of uh, some of my my sisters in Christ that have come out and said like, you know, some have agreed with him and just but also said like, yeah, he he should apologize for the way he delivered that. That was very. Um, we could all be there one day. No, nobody knows. Well, I mean, maybe sure, not in public but television, but I think it's still good for Christians yeah. to hold each other accountable. I mean, I think that's that's a healthy thing huh. in general. I, I mean, and true. I think he should be held accountable. Period. I yeah. mean, he's he's not above any anything that we're not above. That's true. So, That's true. but anyways, I think that might be a better conversation for future podcasts. Yeah, we'll have to do a then podcast yeah. and to dig into some of these topics. And so, what are we talking about today, them. guys? What are we laying on the table? Uh, well, we've been continuing with the redefining series. So, uh, I think one of the things that was heavy on my heart as we were looking in to some of these different topics, different terms, uh, was the concept of guilt and shame. Um, I think we wanted to take some time, break down uh, what does the culture say, our culture, Western culture, say about guilt and shame? What are some of the like studies and, and things like that being done on these topics? And then how how does the Bible differ? How is it the same? What are we told? What is God? How does God define shame and how does he define guilt? Is there a difference? Those are kind of the questions that I wanted to tackle today. Uh, hopefully if we have the time. Uh, absolutely dude. Uh, John, you got a, you got a working definition for shame at this point in time? 
Well, yeah, my my, uh, my definition, I pulled it from the dictionary Bible themes. Oh, okay, um, so you're going straight Bible. What's yeah. the what's the more secular version? So we can start there and then kind of get into the. I got I got Google here. If we want to go with that, yeah, just pull well, up pull up well, Webster's. Let's look at that first. I think that's a good place to start. That's that's probably Webster's right there. You're looking at. Yeah. All right. So, according to the world, uh, shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. All right. What about guilt? We got guilt here on the next page. You gonna go for that, Brian? Yeah, it's uh, the fact of having committed a specified or implied offense or crime. I, I like that, actually. I think that's fair because guilt is this concept here presented as there's some kind of law you've broken. So it implies there is a law. Um, the fact of having committed a specified implied offense or crime, mm-hmm. right? Well, mm-hmm. a crime would, would you guys will disagree with me or agree with me, but I feel like a crime would say that there is an implied law that you've broken mm-hmm. whether that is uh what we would call you know like a political law for a government maybe a like a quote-unquote law of human nature like you you did something that was you know uh there's a wrong. second little definition that says similar to the feeling of having done wrong or failed in, in an obligation that one that one's kind of interesting too but i mm-hmm. i don't know failed in an obligation what do you think? What is it? What do y'all? What do y'all think that the typical definition? Do you think these are standing f- firm for what people believe? Well, I think in the secular world, I think people kind of lump guilt and shame together, and the way I the way I see it is they're they're separate but very closely related. I mean, guilt is is a factual. You know, you did something wrong. It's a fact. You either did it or you did not. Um, it's primarily a state of being at fault, often accompanied by a feeling of being in the wrong. That feeling is is the shame. You have to have guilt before shame. Does that make sense? Yes, I'm in agreement with that one, too. Okay. What do you got, James? Oh, I, I agree with John fully on that. Uh, it would take, you would have to be thinking yourself guilty of some, some um, misappropriation or, or, or crime or anything for the shame to follow. So. Yeah. And, and the reason why I put it that way is you, well, just in my career, when I, when I deal with somebody like, you know, we're going to jail, um, half the time they do feel shame because they know they're guilty of, of what I arrested them for. And then, uh, you know, other times they, they're not ashamed at all because they don't, they don't see themselves as guilty of anything. So that shame is absent. That's why I say you, you have to have guilt to have shame. Isn't that like a sociopath or something? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's people's conscience are so seared that they just don't have guilt or shame for anything. Okay, so <clears throat> what do you think of when somebody says you should be ashamed of yourself? Like when Grandma sits across from the church, you know, and she says, John, you should be ashamed of yourself because you're acting silly in church yeah well like four years old when someone says that or if i hear somebody say that to someone else the first thing that hits my mind is well what did they do right which is what are they guilty of well yeah there you go i guess that's so then that kind of reverses it (laughs) or i guess what are you guilty from why would you be ashamed yeah right right i guess yeah you're right you're right you're right brian thoughts well i i'm looking at the definition thinking of shame and it is it is distinctly different here at least from the webster here because it says like this is a feeling of 
humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Now that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit different than like I've broken a rule. It's more like I've just I like I, I, I can sort of relate to that. Like when you're okay, like maybe you're like in a conversation with some people and you say something that like no one responds to. They just look at you funny. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? Like you all of a sudden sort of reel back and, and like sort of like, Ooh, like I'm uncomfortable. I'm ashamed of what I just said. Like that was weird, you know? And, and it's not like necessarily like you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just that all of a sudden you're aware of the, the fact that you're not in congruence with what's going on as well. So that, that's kind of, I'd really see that coming. Yeah. There. The definition for shame that I was able to pull up is an uncomfortable feeling of guilt and humiliation, usually arising from sin or failure. That's a biblical definition, right? I'm assuming. So, can I ask a question, guys? Shoot. I've been having heard um, John's definition from from where he got it. uh, There seems to be a different differentiation between. Um, emotions and feelings. Is shame a feeling? Yes. That, that That's the point I'm making. Yeah. Okay. So so it's not a, um, a like an emotion, which would be chemical, some, something going on in the brain that would cause you to act a certain or react a certain way. Do you know what I mean? Or is, is that way off? Well, you're you're saying feelings and emotions are different? I, I'm, maybe. I, I'm just... <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm just asking. Just asking. So I'll... Yeah. Because your your definition was a little different than his, right? Well, I mean, like again, I, I'm, I'm, my definition is is from the, a biblical perspective, and, and oh, okay. we're, but we're also talking about the worldly definition, just compare and contrast. Yeah, we were just considering both as we were approaching the topic. Hopefully, that clears that up a little bit. So yeah, so we're looking at this use, and then I like this one right here. It says used to reprove someone for something which they should be ashamed. Right, so then that gives in the in the world we are given the ability to shame another, uh, and then a, a, a regrettable or unfortunate uh, action. It says, and then I have down here, um, which I think is really interesting, is to it, it, a, a verb format. It says to bring shame to, or to cause someone to feel ashamed, inadequate by out outdoing or surprising them. I get it. That's in that way. It sounds like a tool. Yeah. So it's in it, then guilt. We have a feeling of having done wrong or failed of an obligation. So if someone can make you feel like you've done wrong or make you feel like you've missed that obligation, then then someone can impart shame upon you. Then so shame is pretty malleable. Yeah, shame shame can be. I think the way that they're describing it here is that shame can be brought about not always as a result of some kind of law that's broken, but sometimes it's as a result of like being shamed by someone else or, um, dishonored. yeah, just like, yeah, that I like, that's interesting. Yeah. But then where would the guilt come from? If you're dishonored, if you're dishonored, where would the guilt come from? I don't know. I just think this blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. I think, <laughs> um, so I guess that what we're really heading toward is, um, guilt and shame in the eyes of God, right? Well, yeah, and I, I think also. I, I was, go ahead. I was thinking about. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut in, but I was thinking about the like um, maybe more along the lines dishonoring, like dishonoring your family, and it and um, 
Oh yeah, yeah, they can bring shame to your whole family. Yeah, and right. you. Yeah. Right. So then that means shame can be spread by your actions. So your your actions, your guilt can affect others. Your shame can affect others. It doesn't necessarily need to be Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, and just to back that up, you know, scripture when it's talking about man's fall, it don't it not only affected us, it affected all of creation. I mean, the whole earth is That's a is, very good point. Yeah, it it, it trickles down everywhere. Okay, so the the working, how how would you say somebody would deal with shame and guilt outside biblical grounds? Because I mean, we we definitely well, are con- it's confusing. Now, when it comes to the Bible topic, I think all of us are going to be on cue, but it's confusing outside so of biblical th- ideas. There is a lot. So outside of just the dry technical definitions, um, there's been some chatter about this. Like, uh, there's a, a a pretty prominent psychologist. She's done several TED talks actually on these topics of guilt and shame, and uh, through you know psychological research, they've landed on some of these types of definitions. And I I would say this is sort of the framework that I feel like the culture's heading towards. And uh, I, I I would call this definition more of a informed definition than sort of the worldly like what we would probably consider guilt and shame. Because my argument would be that the majority of the time we're probably not going to make a distinction between those two terms. We think they're the same thing, but this is interesting. So Brene Brown, she says, shame is a focus on self. Guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame is I am bad. Guilt is I did something bad. How many of you, if you did something that was hurtful to me, would be willing to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. How many of you would be willing to say that? Guilt It means, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Shame, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. I can can see that point, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, she's saying, essentially, um, guilt is like you're saying, the behavior that I did was wrong. I'm Mm -hmm. going to correct the behavior. Mm -hmm. Shame says, I'm just wrong. So, like, a good example would be, like, I murdered somebody. You might say, I'm really sorry that I murdered this person. That's guilt. That's healthy guilt, like you've encountered it from her perspective. Yeah. Shame would then be, I'm sorry, I'm just a murderer. So that's what I do, right? Like, that's who I am. It's I, I, uh, another place, I don't have it here, but another place she actually literally says, like, shame is an identity. That's what it is. It's a, I am this thing now. I'm not something, I'm not someone that. Oh, okay. So, like, something. not not that not that you would continue to necessarily be a murderer, that you recognize that you made a mistake. But now you're saying, like, now the whole entire culture is going to identify me, so I might as well just take on that coat and put it on and call myself yeah, a, mur- I'm a murderer I'm, Aaron. I lied. I'm a liar. Yeah. I was so, a liar for a long time. Then we so can, would, that, would you guys consider that to be accountability? Self-accountability, if you will? Yes. Like a really bad self-accountability? I, I mean, either way. It, or an admittance? I, guess, I, I think... Yes. I think that Brene Brown would probably say in that thing that shame is not a desirable um, emotion. It's something that it, essentially I think what she's trying to say is that if you're feeling shame, you need to understand what is causing that shame and transition to guilt mm-hmm. to say, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not a murderer. That's not who I am, but I did murder someone and I'm sorry and I'm going to change. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not ever going to do that again. It's interesting that that she's you know she's encouraging people to move away from shame because the Bible actually does that as well. Um, yes, and there are I mean there's I'm just going to name a few, but there's a plethora of verses that's that talk about 
trying to be uh, move away from shame. Um, I'm just going to list just a few. There, there's Psalm 25:20. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in Thee. Psalm 31:1. In Thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Psalm 119:31 and 80. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. It, it's it's a recurring message of not wanting to be under that, um, which I can I can kind of see what she means when when she's saying that it's an identity, uh, because when you you know from a from a sinner's perspective, you know before you have Christ, that is your identity. You yes, you're guilty, but you once you realize the truth of the gospel, you feel that shame. And, and you feel that that's who you are when you're when you're when you're dead in Christ and then it's not until you come to faith and receive his forgiveness that your identity changes that you are now identified in him versus your your shame so that makes perfect sense so moving in, we're moving into the biblical world sorry no it's actually what uh, what John is saying is spot on because Absolutely. what I think is being discovered in that sort of higher learning approach um, is that, you know, this concept of the of, of these two terms, guilt and shame, it's it's truth, right? Like, um, God, because God is true. So it would make sense that what they would end up discovering is essentially that God, in his wisdom and his power, who defines these things, turns out he's correct, right? That shame and guilt are. So that's cool, kind of cool to me that the, that the culture sort of is discovering those truths. Well, I don't think they discovered it. I think it's written on their hearts. They I just refuse to that. see it yeah. the way that it's supposed to be seen because God hasn't given them the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the knowledge to know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's fair. I think, um, James, you got anything you want to add real quick? Um, I have one and it's, and it's beautifully written. Um, Hebrews 12, one and two. If, if someone wants to read that, man, it's, um, Go ahead and read it, man. Okay. Thank you very much. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, God our Father, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us and persevere in running the race that lies before us while keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the leader and perfecter of faith. I just I think that's so beautiful because all of it really, but the point we're talking about it says, let us rid ourselves of every burden and sin that clings to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to me, in my mind, um, shame or guilt, either of those are a burden because they're kind of a. I mean, they can be good things and tools used for good things, but it there are tools for correction and and I guess it's a, it's all about love. That's why God gave us that, because we look to him when we feel that shame. And I and I think this these two verses, um, that's what it speaks to me anyway. Man, that, excellent, dude. Yeah, excellent. That runs totally parallel to when Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Because how many of us, when when we're beset with guilt for whatever we've done, um, it weighs on you. You feel it. It drains you of your energy. It, it, it saps you of all your strength. And then when you come to terms with it and find forgiveness, you feel light, don't you? Like yeah, it's been like lifted it, off your shoulders. Yes. And, and that's, yes. that's Christ. That's the same thing. So the, this takes me back all the way to the beginning of every podcast. I feel like we have to go back <laughs> to this. And that is the recognition 
first uh-huh. and foremost of who we are in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. And that um, the th- words like good and righteous and all these things are things that we can't attain as people uh, outside of the intervention and the propitiation through Christ's sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wrote a little, little thing here. It says, shame comes ultimately from our sin. The shame manifests because we have an inability to be righteous and good on our own strength. I said our folly as a human race is we do not desire God and believe that we have the ability to make our own righteousness. And when that falls short, we lose control and descend into a state of shame. Shame is and always will be a part of us as long as we live on this earth. Mm -hmm. Because as the verse says, we deserve open shame because we are treachery uh, because of the treachery we have committed uh, against God. So uh, the verse that I was using was Daniel 9 says, is, To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, so God is righteousness, but to us open shame. Mm-hmm. As at this day, the men of Judah, the, to the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem, and all of Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. So we deserve shame. Like that's where we need to start. That's the foundation, uh, as a as a people, as a human race. Uh, when we we have God above us, and then the human race, the human race is shame. We are we are open shame because mm-hmm. of the treachery and the sin and the things that we are naturally, um, no matter what we do in God's eyes. Yeah, and there's there's three verses out of the New Testament that bolster that, um, and they're all out of Romans. I love Romans. Uh, 323, and, and, and everyone's heard this whether they realize it or not, but for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The key word there is all. Romans 5:12. wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And then uh, Romans 2:12, which is pretty interesting from the shame standpoint, uh, for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. So there's that guilt again. It's, it encompasses us all. So you, you made a statement, Aaron, that I wanted to come back to. I want to swing back in just real quick. Uh-huh. That you were saying that to be a human being living on this earth means that we are in a state of shame uh, in comparison to God. Is that Am I like twisting that? Uh, it, it's I. I've just tried to use now, the word shame. Go ahead, James. I was going to say not not really. Um, after Jesus, um, right, right. Of course, we always will feel that shame because we are human beings and we haven't um, gotten made the transition into our spiritual bodies yet. Mm-hmm. Whatever that's going to be like, it's going to be wonderful. I know, but um, yeah, I. Uh, well, I think where you're going with that is. It, that, it's a realization I shared with Aaron uh, a couple of days ago, and and you know, I have I've been studying God's grace, and and the more I learn about who He is and His truth, the more infinitely beautiful His grace is to me. At the same time, the more infinitely gross my own sin is, and um, you know, before before I was came to faith, you know, I. Once I understood what that meant coming into faith, I understood that I that I was under judgment. I understood, and and knowing that now from a saved perspective, I I understand that shame. So when Aaron is saying that as human beings on this earth we're we're under shame, that's true in in a way in both senses for the unsaved and for the saved. For the unsaved because they they are legit under 
under the shame and their guilt and they'll and they'll be judged but also for us because we now understand uh what our sin does to us and to god and and we i understand the shame from that and and the more i understand it the more i hate that part of me and the more i cannot wait as you said james to be in my glorified form why i will no longer have to battle with this yeah right before, before i go forward brian you have you have any thought on that or well okay so going back to Brene brown's concept of shame being i am bad versus guilt i did something bad I think that when I was searching the scriptures, I realized when you look at uh, the very first example we have of of shame is in Genesis, Mm -hmm. because essentially there's a a moment when we sin against God, the very first human beings, Adam and Eve. And the thing, what they do essentially is, is they hide away in shame because they know they've done something wrong. They have a, as we sort of defined it earlier, an uncomfortable feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Now, what's interesting about them is that when God comes and he asks where they're at, um, they actually do come out and they actually do sort of take ownership of what they've done. I mean, they just literally say, okay, yes, we ate. Um, you know, Adam, Adam says like literally what happened? Like Adam or, you know, Eve went and ate, then she gave it to me and I ate. And then God pronounces his judgment on them. You contrast that to the very next generation, which is Cain and Abel. So you get the next sin, which is, uh, the first murder and Cain comes forward and he never has that moment where he transitions into guilt. He's, he just remains in shame. He's just like, I'm just really uncomfortable and God, you know, you need to protect me because now I'm a fugitive and people yeah. are going to be out to kill me. But you never see a moment of, of the, the word I'm looking for is repentance. And I think mm-hmm. what Aaron said, I wanted, that's the reason I said he said that to be a human sort of is to exist in open shame as we read um, in the word. And I think that um, sort of the, the call I would have or what I would say for Christian shame and Christian guilt is I would say that um, shame is a tool to lead us to guilt. It, it, it should basically, when we f- we're feeling a level of shame, mm-hmm. we should not remain in it. We should go to God and say, I did this. I did this. I did this. I'm sorry. Repent. Yeah. And that's what conviction of the Holy Spirit's all about. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. when, when like we become, obviously the, the very first thing we did as an act, right, is we came before God and we asked for Jesus to be our savior. So that covered over all of, of our sins. That actually removed our shame, should mm-hmm. remove our shame like our... <clears throat> well, that, we, were, we were given faith. As you called open shame. Right. And I, I, I don't, I'm not going to know the particular verse, but I'm just, my, what comes to mind is that, I think it's in Ephesians, it's like when um, Paul is, is saying to the church, you know, like, are he saying, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, right? Like, right. I'm I'm no longer ashamed because I have no reason to be because I'm covered by the blood of Christ. Like, and I, and I think that is sort of that first act. But then there's the daily act of Christianity where you're, you are just in, in not because you have to, because you're already covered, right? But in the sense that you are coming before God and going, I, I did something wrong. Um, so I want to take two steps back. I know you're going down a path. I'm going to take two steps back. First is, um, 
the first is we get our faith. We were given faith. We're given the eyes to see the shame. The deal is, is that when I made that statement, I wanted to go ahead and signify that people don't care to even recognize their guilt in the normal day to day, right? We, we would never recognize our guilt. We would never see our shame. So people, there are people that remain quote unquote unashamed in sin all day long, every day. And they think what they're doing is okay. And they're perfectly content going down that road of sinfulness and shame because they don't see it as sinfulness because they don't know God, right? So the first thing that has to happen for anyone to recognize and feel guilty is for them to first be given the the ability to know that they're guilty. Um, And so when God does that, when Christ does that, when the Holy Spirit says, you now know, I've I've shown you who I am, kind of like Saul on the road to Damascus, Christ came to him and said, I'm showing you who I am. You're seeing me, you're hearing me. And then now Saul had to deal with that and as Paul, and I know that he dealt with the burden of what he did to Christians for a long time. Just read Acts 22. Uh, read, uh, was it Galatians 1, I think 17 and 18, where he talks about how he was holding the coats for Stephen as they were killing uh, him, uh, they stoning him and stuff, and he did it willingly. Uh, and I know that he feels ashamed of that, but he gives it to God, right? He doesn't. He doesn't keep it, and he uses it as a tool to say, "I know where you came from, yes, persecutor. I am a persecutor. I was a persecutor. I know where you come from, and I'm not afraid of persecution anymore." But aside from that, um, the idea is that we first have to be given faith. We have to be given the eyes to see. We have to be given the ears to hear. Once we see that, we fall down. We fall down in our guilt. And our shame, and we realize, and we give that guilt and shame to God, and that's right. the, we don't that's remain the acknowledgement. In, in that shame of right. what we've done. We, so there's a moment of acknowledgement. We say, God, you have forgiven me, and right. moving on. I realize right. now that Christ, you died for me, and how treacherous and shameful I have been this entire time. Well, or the blind. opposite reaction, which I think is often the way we approach shame, is that we have that feeling, so then we try to press into that identity more and we try to just we we never have that moment where we come before god good example is cain because what does he do he he just essentially he tries to physically and spiritually separate himself so he gets further from the garden of eden he moves further from his parents he isolates himself right right he He runs he runs from the things of god and then he accepts that identity he says i'm a murderer now and then by the time you get to the third generation his son or his grandson, right, is now bragging about all the people he's killed. God's completely forgotten. So it's a totally different thing. And I think that 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 is essentially what human beings come into contact with when we come into contact with God, because right. it's that choice. It's that essentially where it's like, are we going to remain in this shame, or are we going to accept the forgiveness that God has provided through Jesus Christ? I think mm. that you'll accept it no matter what, well, if you find it. Yes. that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. But my point is, uh, another example would be King Saul. We have uh, his reaction to God when he's rebuked. He uh, He's rebuked by Samuel. And then, again, he's never owning his sin. He's never saying, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. He's saying, God, I'm, I'm upset with the consequences yes. for what I've done. Um, and there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And I think that God invites us to, he, I mean, he invites us to say, I'm sorry for what I've done. And then we know we have forgiveness. Like we, mm-hmm. we, we've literally been given that as a gift. Uh, a simple example of that is uh, when you look at a, at a small child and they get in trouble for whatever, and 
they're given their punishment, whether it's being grounded, go stand in the corner, you know, go to bed with no dinner, whatever it is, and they, they want to bucket you. Well, that's not fair, blah, 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 and they miss the whole point that they screwed up versus a child who gets scolded for something they did and they know that what they did was wrong and, and they're sorry for it and they're, and they're quiet and they're humble and they take their punishment and they never do it again. There's no rebellion after that. So just a, simp- a simplistic example of, of yeah. what you just yeah. put forth. Yeah. James, you got anything? Yes. Oh, um, no, I don't, guys. I, I was just, li- I'm just <laughs> listening. <laughs> I'm just listening. It's no big deal. <laughs> so, so uh, from what you what you guys are talking about, let me throw this out there. Um, I'm going to throw another little piece of scripture out there. This could be uh, Ezra nine three through seven. Go out and read your Bibles. Get a full context of what's going on. Starting at verse four, it says, "Then all who trembled at the words of God of Israel, because of the faithlessness of the returned exiles, gathered around me while I sat." A plot, uh, what does that say? Why I said appalled until evening sacrifice. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose from my fasting with my garment and cloak torn and fell upon my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God, saying, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you. My God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt is mounted up to the heavens. From the days of our fathers to this day, we have been in great guilt. And for our iniquities, we are kings, our priests, and have been given into the hand of the kings of the lands to the sword, to captivity, to plundering, and to utter shame as it is today. And so I just typed a little thought in here and I said, guilt is what we are. Mm-hmm. Guilt is all we are. Uh, guilt is what our fathers' fathers are. Uh I guess I'm saying we are guilty in the eyes of God and our guilt has been here and will continue until the last day. Shame is a result of that guilt, that imperfection, the nature we are born into, uh, which is in Psalm 51, 3 through 6, which David talks about. God knows our guilt. He calls us guilty and has judgment for that guilt. Uh, The only way to escape that judgment of the guilt and the shame is through the work of Christ. So that, that that is how I see it, right? We are guilty. And we are so guilty, we are shame. We are living in shame. We are, we are, in essence, guilty. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned and God put his proclamation, his judgment, we are now born as guilty, um, as charged. And until God gives us that sight to see it and gives us and we see that true grace that God has given through his son, we don't recognize it. And then you have that moment like John had where he says, wow, uh, I didn't realize all that God had done for me. I didn't realize that out of all these people that for some reason God has decided to allow me to be a part of this kingdom and I am nothing in his eyes. I am worthless. I am completely and utterly guilty and deserve hell. And I'm not only utterly guilty, but I'm ashamed of that guilt to the point to where I I can't even handle it. And I think that that can also bring us to the next topic. And that is that, you know, we recently listened to a John MacArthur sermon, weird enough that we're talking about him after talking about the beginning, but he made a really good point that in a way, shame, being ashamed and realizing your shame um, is actually a tool to help you understand God's great mercy in Christ. Which is what we said earlier, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I, I like your your, uh, your your verse from Ezra, and I, I had actually put it down on my notes, but I, I focus on verse 6 from the, from the perspective of shame. And it says, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, meaning I don't even want to right. acknowledge you because I'm so ashamed. Right. For our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. Up to the heavens, bro. And Psalm thirty-one, seventeen, kind of goes along with that. It says, uh, it starts off, let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed and let them be silent in the grave. So, you know, like you were saying earlier, when, you know, we, we've we sinned or we're, we're uh, guilty of, of whatever offense and that shame comes in, Apart from Christ, yeah, they're they're it's just hopeless. Like like you said, I'm I'm nothing at all. But um, as Psalm talks about, or Psalm thirty one talks about, when you call upon the Lord, and that that's what it means. Let me not be ashamed, for I'm I'm trusting in you. I'm calling on you. Uh, and those those Psalms verses I gave earlier, I mean, every one of them, it just hits at home every time. And that's just what five or six out of probably five million that are in there. You know, maybe not five million, but I think that's the exact number: five million verses in the Bible. <laughs> Anybody want to jump uh, in on that? <laughs> and and you know, Romans six. I really like how Romans six lays it out, verses twenty through twenty-two. It says, "For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Meaning, at now as a believer, you're ashamed of your past. For the end of those things is death." But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. There's no shame in that. I don't believe there is. Yeah. Yeah. If possible, I wanted to, as we're kind of getting close to the end here of the conversation, um, I wanted to try to see if we could leave something here just like, uh, I guess, a, a practical sort of, I'll ask two questions and I want to get y'all's opinion slash let's go to the word. Um, number one, ultimately, how do we transition from shame to guilt if we're like, we're not a Christian? And in, in my opinion, as a non-Christian, it would involve um, the ability to be humbled, which is hard to do when not impossible, but it's hard to do if you if you're not a believer from from the um, concept of of just sin in general. Um, I've seen it happen. I mean, I, I I've known people who are unsaved that do, you know, they do like, oh my gosh, I, I realized what I did was wrong, and they genuinely feel bad. Um, but it it involves humility. You've, you've got to have that, or else you're not going to budge. I, I I'm going to say it comes from a selfish. Uh, the selfish, selfish point of view. Um, as Christians, we're doing it selflessly because of Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a non-Christian, I think you're doing selfishly to a point when you realize you've wronged somebody, whether you think that it was that bad or not. Let's you know make it an easy thing. Like say I was wrestling with somebody and I punched him because I got mad, and now I feel bad because now they're going to go tell their mom, and then it's going to be a big, huge pile of crap for me. So. Now I'm going to tell him, oh, man, I'm sorry. And now I feel ashamed of what I did because a little bit because of that. Um, and so then I'll, I'll apologize it, it to to make them feel better, but ultimately to keep my butt off the fire, if you will, yeah. is a point, too. So like even if I get arrested for breaking the law, 
you know, I uh, immediately the guilt probably hits when you get arrested. It probably didn't hit you before that because now you realize the 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 what is it the gravity of the situation, right? Right. And so then you yeah. you realize now now I know I'm guilty because the law is here to assert that guilt. Um, so then you can become ashamed. Then you can do, you know, your time or whatever your due diligence is. And then you can say, well, I've done what I need to do to right that wrong. So now, mm. you know, I, I, what, yes, at one time I was guilty. Yes. At one time I, I did a shameful thing, but now I've done what I need to do to, to right that wrong. I don't know. Maybe James can pop in on that a little more. Uh, I agree with that. And, and I would just, I was just thinking that, you know, like going back to Adam, but you know, it seems like God has hardwired into our, in some point into our instincts to where we're ashamed because Adam himself, um, when, when the Lord was looking for him in the garden and he couldn't find, well, he could find them, I'm sure. But he, when they said, uh, we were hiding because we were ashamed and they had, I guess they had covered themselves or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, so Adam had that shame without the Lord's in- inquiry. Um, so I think it's in, it's somewhere in our instincts to be ashamed if, if we're, of course it's a gift from God. It goes back to that too. So, mm. um, well, it's just, I, I he's, think, he was ashamed because he was first told what not to do. Well, and right. And I think, right. I think that to to bounce off of you, James, I think you're in the right direction, in my opinion, because I think, you know, when you think about being a non-Christian, someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ, your ultimately your ultimate shame is is going to only be like you're feeling a, a more ultimate shame that is over you at all times, which is only going to be found in realizing that you're guilty before God. Right, so like, because sometimes it's it's a social thing you know society says you shouldn't shouldn't be a certain way and you can be ashamed of that or or not um right so it it hits many different aspects i i I would say i mean as we've covered so far so yeah one way to tie in what you are all saying is think of it this way um you know aaron you were saying that some people want to work through that that shame and guilt for selfish reasons and yes. that can be that can be shown in how Adam and Eve covered themselves cuz they were ashamed and in covering themselves they felt better cuz now hey we're no longer naked whereas what should have happened uh from a non-selfish um road would be going to to the Lord and saying hey we screwed up we're sorry we're not sure how we can fix this cuz you can't and right. and asking him for forgiveness um you know, it's like that that old saying. You know, uh, uh, secularism versus Christianity. Like, oh, I screwed up. My dad's going to kill me. Whereas we say, I screwed up. I need to call my dad. You know, that, yeah, that kind of thing. Right, and and I mean, yeah, so there's a there's an original shame, is what I would call it. I would pin the name, which I think is only going to be found in the forgiveness offered through Christ, because we can come before God with boldness. Mm-hmm. knowing that Jesus Christ has died for every single sin we've ever committed and washed like washed us with that blood that essentially his rising from the dead um is what allows us to transition from shame to guilt it's our only road forward the the second question that i wanted to ask is is on a practical sense day to day for a christian sort of operating within guilt and shame these definitions that we've we've discovered here um, 
from a practical standpoint, like say I've, I've done something like how, how do I enter into sort of a constant, um, ritual of taking things that I know I'm feeling ashamed of because I've done, cause I mean, I'm still going to continue to sin even if I'm a Christian mm-hmm. and how do I get just better and better at not remaining in that shame, but going and get and taking that guilt and changing and like, you know, just sort of that feedback loop of Christianity of, of improving. Like what, what does that look like I, practically? I think that That's I got my I, question. I, I, I believe it's, I believe it starts with confession. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, um, being honest and open and confessing and confessing mm-hmm. what you've done. Um, because if you have, you can have private shame, you know, and private mm-hmm. guilt, um, being in, co- in the court of law is one thing. Of course, that's that can be shameful, and and <laughs> be found guilty as well. But um, I think it, I think we should follow the order of things and and confess to each other. Um, there's a psychological aspect to it because mm-hmm. obviously the Lord already knows what we've done. Absolutely. Um, because he knows our heart. So, um, of course, prayer and speaking with God or, or just meditating on God, just being with God alone is, 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 um, um, I guess could be confession in a way. Uh, but he, he did instruct us to confess our sins to one another. And that, I think that's very important because it wouldn't be, if, I mean, he wouldn't have said it if it wasn't. Absolutely. I Agreed. agree. I agree with that. Um, Basically, yes, we're supposed to confess and we're supposed to seek God's guidance, um, seek confession between each other, um, which obviously leads to forgiveness and, you know, things like that. So um, confession is extremely important in that. And I think that that's part of your day-to-day sanctification as well as just, you know, um, God constantly is teaching you and reproving you, admonishing you and growing you through his word, through prayer, through friends, through the body, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, kind of like being married. Like there's days that I just want to be lazy. And sometimes Samantha comes out of nowhere and says, today, we're not going to be lazy. I need you to do this, this, and this. And so then I have to get up and I have to, I have to do that, which distracts me from whatever the choice I was going to be doing to be unproductive. Right. So I think that as long as you're, you're immersing yourself in the word and praying and seeking Christ and, you know, having your accountability, having your fellowship with others, God's always going to speak to you and he's going to get you in action and you'll, you'll be able to recognize the shame that you have, uh, but you won't be seeking the growth of that shame. You'll be seeking the release of that shame through Christ and inevitably on the last day, obviously, um, yeah, being completely and utterly unashamed. What that's I, true, Aaron. I would just like to say that, yes, um, you, you know, if we, you know, the stronger our faith gets, the more we know that, that God forgives us anyway. And, and But I think it has to do something with forgiving ourselves also. Um, but so, sometimes we know that the Lord forgives us, but we don't forgive ourselves, uh, depending on whatever situation it is. So um, it's just a well, beautiful tool, I believe. Yeah, and, and James, you, you make a good point. And, and Brian, I wanted to add this into what you were asking. Yes, it, it, confession is, is a very important step, maybe the first step. But what you have to realize um, 
is who what who your identity is in which for us it's it is in Christ the, you know the devil wants to lie to you and and tell you you're not worthy and keep you in your shame absolutely but yeah. the word says you've been made a new creation so when you right. when you stick to that and you look at it from that perspective yes we still sin but I don't have to stay in that because that's the old me that I'm that person died that 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 my sin died in Christ when he died and when he rose I rose with him as a new creation so you're not stuck in that anymore nice nice it goes back to you need to understand that shame is an identity and that's not who you are you have the ability to say no 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 I am not a liar that's not who I am but I did lie and I'm sorry for lying like I think that it, to me, that's sort of the daily confession we're making before God and before our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And that's the fallacy that I, that I see with a lot of guys that take to jail. They, they, they're so defeated in the, in they're in this life of, of selfishness and crime. And they're like, well, that's just who I am. And I'm like, no, that's not who you are. You don't, that's, that's, that doesn't define you. And, uh, and then I try to preach the gospel to them. Sometimes they receive, sometimes they don't, but yeah. you know. I think that uh, I've, I'll, I'll use this verse many times, I'm sure, throughout podcasts, but if you go to like Psalm 32 and you read verse 5, we'll just stick with verse 5 now because I got this in my outline for for forgiveness. Uh, Psalm 32, 5, it says, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Um, acknowledgement, <clears throat> the ability to acknowledge uh, you know, when you when you when you acknowledge your shame and you see it, that that's the first step, I do believe, in order to yeah. to transgress back to or not transgress transition transition. <laughs> yeah, I I transgress um, to transition back to guilt and then and then to handle that guilt from there through Christ and uh, to to realign your identity from the shame uh, uh, to to Jesus. Okay. Any final yeah. thoughts on that? that? We're at the hour, guys. We're at the say, hour. I, that to me that that gets things across i think that we've we've uh, well defined the topic from yeah. a biblical perspective absolutely last thoughts no i'm good no. james I'm good. I'm good i enjoyed it man really i always learn something here yeah. mm. we're always learning. so do too. we yeah yeah and so we're out we're out so uh this is uh this is the end of this here episode and we're glad you came and what do we do when we close everything down? We remember what? That it's most important to put who first and to continue to do what? Love Jesus. Absolutely. Love Jesus. Love Jesus. That's right, guys. All right. Thanks Jesus again. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend of Jesus. Jesus is Thanks again for coming to lay it on the table and listen in and joining us for another conversation we hope you enjoyed yourself um if we said anything crazy let us know we got an instagram john what's that lay it on dot the table yes and please reach out you know if, if you are confused on something or think we may have missed a point that that you think would be good to get across let us know we we may include that at a later time yeah yeah and brian we got a facebook right uh yeah we do but um, Brian is not a social media guy. Well, so it's facebook.com slash lay it on the table. <laughs> and uh, I'm so glad you came. Again, it's a beautiful Saturday for us, and I hope that it's a wonderful time wherever you're at. And uh, if it's not, I hope that uh, we just bring some something new to your life, and then you realize Jesus is uh, the way, the truth, and the light, man. He'll take care of all that shame, that guilt, that sin, that whatever you were born with, as David said. So... 
Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. God bless, guys. Peace out. Woo, woo.